It is well with my soul. It was my grandpa's favorite hymn. I can still hear him. I was both first service that triggered in my mind. I can still hear standing next to him as a, as a young boy and hearing him belt out those words. Um, it is well with my soul. I don't think he sang any other song. Um, but that one he sang. And it's a reminder to me that for generations that have gone before us and the generations that will come after us, that regardless of our circumstance, we can be a people who can sing that song. Regardless of what we're walking through or what life is, is uh, dealing us at the moment, we can have the assurance to be able to say, it is well with my soul. Well, the last few weeks, um, we've been in a, in a series talking about uh, this conversation with Jesus and Peter. You uh, remember this conversation. We've talked about it the last few weeks of Jesus saying, do you love me? Peter saying, of course, I love you, Jesus. And, and then we've been talking about feeding sheep and what that looks like and what it means to be a shepherd. And, and I think those have been helpful for us. But, but we kind of came to an end of that passage. And, and um, next week, Pastor Kobe is going to be opening the word. The following week is Mother's Day. The following week after that is Pentecost Sunday. And so this Sunday just has a kind of its own, it just kind of stands alone. And so thinking about what do we want to talk about uh, this week, uh, I, uh, I want to spend some time and just been impressed to spend some time in a, in a little Old Testament book by the name of Amos. Now, Amos is probably not a book that you have spent a lot of time in. I'm guessing there's not a lot of devotional reading that takes place in, in the book of Amos. But, but I want to look at, at one of the themes. There, there are numerous themes. In fact, we could stay on that book for, for a number of Sundays. But there is one particular theme I want us to look at that weaves itself all throughout the book. This comes to my mind, I guess, for a number of reasons. One, I think maybe the newness of spring and all that that brings. I think also because some conversations that I've been having with some of you about where you are in the journey of your life. And then, but I think most especially, most especially it's because I've just felt an impression by the Holy Spirit and just not knowing necessarily how, but, but to talk about this theme in Amos. And so I'm going to reference a number of things in Amos, I'm going to read a number of passages in Amos. We don't have time to read the whole book, but I, I, you'll, you'll get an idea of how this theme is woven all throughout. And so I want us this morning to at least begin with Amos chapter 7, uh, beginning at verse 7. And would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Uh, Amos chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. And the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With my sword, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel, and said, Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear his words. For this is what Amos is saying, that Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will surely go into exile away from the native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, get out, you seer, go back to the land of Judah, earn your bread there, and do not prophesy, and do prophesy, do your prophecy there. Don't prophesy here any longer in Bethel. Because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. 
Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd. And I also took care of the sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock, and he said to me, Go prophesy to the people of Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. We respond together by saying, thanks be to God. You can be seated. Amos didn't begin his life as a prophet. Nobody begins their life as a prophet. Amos led a quiet, uneventful life for most of his life. He was a sheep farmer in Tekoa. He received this vision that that came from the Lord about Israel during the reign of King Uzziah of, of Judah and King Jeroboam of Israel two years before the earthquake. This is that period of time in which God's people are are divided. There is a northern kingdom and there is a southern kingdom. And if you were here Wednesday night, one of the interesting things that that was talked about in the classes is that when we read Scripture, Scripture doesn't just say once upon a time in a land far, far away. But it actually drills down and gives you an historical reference about where a story takes place so that you can take the word of God and you can pair it up against those historical references and you can see the truth that's contained there. Well, this passage happens right when there are two kingdoms. That's what's taking place. And uh, uh, Amos uh, is from the southern kingdom. What's going to happen, you'll see as we journey along, is that God is going to call him away from the fields and away from the trees, and God's going to call him to go preach in the northern kingdom. Now, that's just kind of an odd deal. Hey, you're a farmer. Time to go preach. That's a whole thing in itself, which we might touch on a little bit. But you'll find that he wasn't well-received there. Amos says in chapter 1, he says these words, The Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The shepherd's pastures are dried up and the choicest farmland is parched. Not the most beautiful poster picture of what's taking place. He goes on in chapter 3, verse 3 to say, Do two people travel together unless they have been so agreed? Does a lion roar in the thicket if he has no prey? Does a young lion growl in his den unless he's caught something? If a trumpet sounds in the city, are not the people alarmed? What he's saying is, and we're going to understand a little more as we go along, but he's saying there are some signs, and they're pretty simple. When you see this, this is happening. If you see a lion in the thicket, you know he's probably got something to eat. There are signs that this farmer, that made sense to this farmer, is talking to the people and saying, you know what, northern kingdom, there are some signs, and you're missing them. There are some signs that things are not going well for you. There are some signs that you, have, you are not living how God wants you to live. And he's going to go on and talk more with them a little later in that. But he's trying to get them to see um, in a pretty uncomfortable way, I think. Maybe you're not living where God wants you to live. Theologian James McClendon asks the question, what, what is one of the words that Americans most want to hear? And, and the answer he came up with is the word success. We love to hear about athletes who are at the top of their sport. We like to hear about businesses who are, who are crushing the competition. We, we like to hear about singers who are, who are making it big. I mean, just last night, our family sat down and watched a little bit of The Voice, you know, the, that show where you come from absolutely nowhere, and what you're trying to do is trying to find success. To, to, to be an American is, above all, to win. And some one of our favorite historical stories usually goes something like this. 
as a part of our history, that some lad or lass from somewhere, somewhere far away, wants to come to America and they save up their money and they come and they get a job as a dishwasher for a dollar an hour and they start a side business like importing maybe like Mongolian goat hair or something like that and and then they they get more and more goat hair and then they corner the market on goat hair and then they become billionaire goat hair people and and then they retire in some place warm like Santa Monica and um, uh, they make everyone happy by giving a few million dollars to charity. That's what we're told is the American dream. And yet it's interesting that that the favorite American story is not often the favorite Bible story. For the Bible doesn't tell stories of of rich, successful, and powerful. Are there people in the Bible that are that? Yes, but that's not the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is not even about succeeding. Ultimately, the purpose of the Bible is the story of God. And the story of God and how it intersects our story. And how those stories combine and and the story of God that he has for our life. And yet when you look at God's story and our story, so often God ends up in this relationship. God ends up on the losing side of the stick. For the Bible records a, a long history of failures. And yet after each failure, it more importantly records a God who comes to his people to start over. God didn't give up. God was not swayed by their sin and by their rebellion. God does not give up on us. Amos embodies God's determination to not give up on Israel, to keep keep God's purpose in front of them, to keep returning, that God wants to bless them. That's that's what Amos' message was. Listen, God has something for you, but if if you don't see the signs, God is not going to keep your enemies from coming. Amos is coming in his farmer kind of language and he's, he's using farmer kind of, kind of metaphors and saying, look around you, the signs are all over the place. There is something wrong. You are not living by the plumb line of where God wants you to live. And Amos begins this, this prophecy to say what might happen. Amos says, folks, it's time. You need to start over if you want to live how God wants you to live. I found the church is a place where you can start over. I remember talking to a pastor friend of mine who, who took the last church before his retirement, and, uh, and he said, uh, I said, well, how's the church? And he said, oh, you can't believe it. He says, this church has all of the same problems that my first church out of seminary had. He says, it's just like starting over. If you were here Wednesday night, I think another important thing that came out of our discussion was just the reminder that says, you know, even technology and all kinds of things, all the advancements that we have, people's problems are the same today as they were then. People's problems, relationship problems, the struggles that we have are the same problems that we have generation after generation. You notice that Amos is introduced as nobody very special Uh, He's nobody that has previous training or talents that would suggest that somehow he would be an eloquent spokesperson for God. He's introduced as a sheep farmer from Tekoa. Now, Tekoa is a a little town southeast of of Jerusalem, kind of a little hick town. Uh, Amos was pretty much probably a country bumpkin who who probably didn't spend much time in the big city, certainly never traveled out of the country like God had called him to. But when Israel was divided into two countries, the the northern and the southern, God comes to this southern and and says, I want you to go lay down what you're doing. I I want you to start over. I got a new job for you. And and he goes up to the north, and the northerners don't like his preaching. And I don't think it's because they don't like his southern accent. 
I think it's because they don't like what he's saying. He's saying, look around you. Something's wrong. You're going through the motions. In fact, you might look okay. But down deep, there's something wrong. And God has something better for you. And if, and if you don't get this fixed, if you don't start over, if you don't turn the ship a little bit, if you don't change your trajectory, things are not going to go well. well. They don't like that. So the religious leaders and the political leaders throw Amos out. That's part of what we read in chapter 7. For sometimes when the prophet speaks um, for God, it isn't always the most popular. Sometimes when you're in my line of work, we have to remind ourselves of that. If we're only preaching what people want to hear, we probably aren't preaching what people need to hear. Change can be painful. Amos himself had to start over. He's a sheep farmer. And sometimes he took care of the trees in the orchard. But he had to leave his sheep and he had to leave the trees and go to the northerners. See, sometimes answering the call of God in your life, you know, sometimes we, we have this romantic idea that answering the call of God in your life, everything will just go amazing after that. Sometimes answering the call of God in your life is hard. Especially if, if God's sending you to a place that, that you don't want to go. Especially if God is sending you into a, into a ministry or into a, uh, an area or, or, or to a, a place of service that, that you seem uncomfortable in. Outside of your comfort zone, it's tough sometimes to, to not want to hang on to the kind of things you want to do, the kind of things that, that, that charge you up rather than doing the kind of things that God has called you to do. Although Amos protested he was the wrong person for the job, he was not a prophet, he was just a farmer, Amos trusted God's wisdom and he went. See, sometimes when God uproots us or sometimes when God shifts our focus, it's because God sees some gifts in us that we don't see. God sees some ways that he can use the talents that he gave you. He gave you those talents. Every one of you have, he gave you those. He knows how to use them the best. And sometimes when he shifts our focus and puts us in a different way or calls us to another level, it's because God sees something in you that you haven't seen. One thing that Amos had was he had good, straightforward farmer talk. And he learned this common speech, and we see it as he's talking he doesn't use fancy words. He just, he just talks straight. He urges people out of his own experiences and the things that he said. He says, look around. It just There's some signs. Things aren't right. There is a season, and this season is now for you to start over. Amos reminds me a little of the way that Jesus speaks when Jesus talks about the sign of the times. He says, a fig tree is in full blossom. Um, that's, that's the sign of, of spring is to come. See, there are signs that we're saying things aren't right. Sometimes we can get caught up in using some really big words when, when the words of the farmer Amos are really what we need to hear. Hey, get your act together. Something's wrong. God's got something better for you. And yet Amos, built upon his past experience, he starts over and follows after God. I can tell you from what I've observed with people, that a big part of the pastoral counseling time that I spend is because people um, 
are having to start over in some way or having to restart in some way or having to, 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 to reframe their life a little bit. You, you've, you've had a job and it's been your job forever and you think this is the job you're going to have for the rest of your life and then, then the front office makes some kind of change and all of a sudden you don't have that anymore. You have a marriage in which you promise to live until death do you part, but a midlife surprise, something parts you besides death, and you have to start over. I don't know if you've figured this out yet, but life doesn't always follow the brochure from the travel agent. You have to start over. Or you've taken a wrong road, and as much as you've tried to get back, you've, you've got to start over. I don't know if you've been watching the news for the last few days, but, but the last uh, few days it's been on the news and finally resolved last night uh, about the, the trucker outside of Legrand, the semi-truck driver, and he's driving a, a load of potato chips, and he had the GPS coordinates wrong, and he was heading up uh, out of Legrand up till like Pierce, Idaho, somewhere in there, and, and the GPS was wrong, and he drove that truck um, on a road that he, that he figured out was wrong, and, and it said to go on a Forest Service road, so he took that semi-truck on a Forest Service road, and then finally got into the snow and couldn't go any further. For four days, they've been looking for him and searching for him. His wife, last night, came back from, the, uh, uh, from meeting with the police and the searchers and walked in, and her husband was sitting there um, in the house. Uh, last night, they found him. He was cold. He was hungry. They said, you had a whole truck of potato chips. Why didn't you bring some of those out? He said, well, because I was responsible for those. I couldn't eat those. But he had driven in to a certain, just so far and realized he was on the wrong road and he kept going on the road and he kept going, figuring he'd find a way to turn around somewhere and realized at some point he couldn't go any further and so he got out of the truck and he shut the door and he walked out. Sometimes we just have to start over. We've got to turn from the direction we're going, even though we know we've been on the wrong road. Sometimes we just got to shut the door and turn around and do something different. Starting over is the story of God and his people. Over and over and over again. You, you might know about the life of John Wesley. The, the father of the Methodists. Wesley got off to a bad start. He was a, he was a pastor's kid. He went off to Oxford where he studied and, and he uh, uh, joined the Holy Club. He was formed this group called the Holy Club in which members tried to, to prove themselves that they were going to heaven. He graduated college and he was invited to be a missionary uh, to, the, to uh, not yet the United States, but to the Americas. Uh, in 1735, he leaves to go to Georgia to be a missionary. In 1735... America was a tough place to minister. In Georgia, he irritated um, the local congregation because he was trying to get them to worship differently than they were used to to worshiping. Um, But the real thing that got him was he fell in love with the local bailiff's daughter. And the bailiff's daughter did not fall in love with him. In fact, she eloped with another guy. And so when she came back to church, when they came to take communion, Wesley denied her communion. So her dad, the bailiff, files a lawsuit against him, and it's in court, and it's a mess, and he's run out of town. In fact, he's run out of the country. And that could have been the end of his story. But he was on the boat on the Atlantic crossing heading back to England, and Wesley met some Moravians. 
And they opened up the Bible and they explained it to him in ways that he had never seen it before. And they read it in such a personal way, so personal that he had never experienced that before. And when he got home, he went to the Moravian Chapel on Aldersgate Street. And a quarter to nine one night, he wrote this. He says, I felt my, in the middle, while they were reading the scripture, he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins. John Wesley was a pastor's kid. He was a member of the Holy Club. He was a student at Oxford. He was an appointed missionary. But he found out that he needed to have a fresh start. He needed to go a different direction. He needed to redo. And he began again. And thus the journey of Wesley that began the Methodist Church and out of that the founding of the Church of the Nazarene. We have, a, we have a deep within our Christian consciousness a joy in stories like that and those experiences because what God is interested in is in disrupting our lives. God, God wants to disrupt our lives, our comfort, if it means that we will follow after him. He will disrupt us in order to get our attention. He will disrupt us to say, listen, something's not right. I've got a better plan for your life. And that God sometimes can take the most difficult situations, even those things that we call disasters in our life, and he can somehow, if we will turn to him, turn it into a gracious game, and he presses the restart button in ways that we don't even, can't even imagine could happen. God is the God of starting over. The story of God and the story of God's people is a God who comes graciously and says, that's okay, let's go again. My grace is yours. My love is yours. The story of starting over can be told in a lot of different ways and a lot of different words. For some, it's the word conversion, of being born again. For, for most of us, conversion is not starting, it's, it's restarting. Too often we've thought of conversion or giving my life over to, to Christ as something that, um, that will will just take a turn and make things better. And, and, and eternally that's true, but it isn't always true. Look at Amos. Amos went and, and <laughs> answering God's call on the restart made his life a little tough. See, sometimes when you're answering God's call, it puts you in places that become more difficult than if you'd never answered God's call. And yet in the end, in the big picture, it's exactly where you want to be. Starting over can be painful, it can be frightening, and it can be challenging. And yet starting over is related to God's disruptive determination to use you for God's purpose. Not for your, your comfort, but for God's purpose. Oh, maybe starting over for you isn't coming to know God. Maybe you know him. Maybe starting over for you is coming to know him at a different, different level. Maybe he's calling you to a whole new phrase or a whole new phase of your life, a whole new level in your life, in your Christian journey. Maybe he's calling you to a place of, of, of Christian holiness, of setting yourself apart, not just stepping over the line of salvation and, and saying, thank you, Jesus, for this gift of salvation, but I give you my whole life set apart for you. A restart that can take you to a whole new level. Maybe he's calling you to set aside something you've been doing in your life. Maybe even it's a good thing, or maybe it's been a struggle, or maybe it's a habit, or maybe it's something that when you look around, you just see the signs, like Amos says, the signs are out there. Something's just 
not right. But maybe he's calling you to a deeper level of love. Or maybe he's calling you to let the hurt that you're walking through right now be swallowed in his love. Or maybe it's a relationship that's fallen apart. Your fault, their fault, who cares? It's time to do something about it. It's time to start over. Maybe even make it better. Maybe make it stronger. Maybe he's calling you to let go of some of the expectations that you place on yourself or that others have placed on you. And to live more fully into who God has called you to be. Maybe you've just been in the midst of this journey where you're just going along and, and, and it could be something big, it could be something small, but, but you know in the words of Amos, something just ain't right. And God wants to say to you, do something about it. My grace is sufficient for you. I want you to remember this. The same God who began the world showed up after the garden. The same God who, who created, created again after the flood. The same God who sent Amos. You know the people didn't listen. And you know God came back again. He's the same God who sent Christ into our hearts and into our lives. He's the same God who comes in the midst of whatever situation you find, big one, small one, when it just ain't right. He's the same God who comes and says, my grace is sufficient for you. You can start over. You can press restart. You can change the course you're on. You can have another chance. Or maybe like the guy in the truck, you just know you've been on that road and you've just had enough. It's time to get out and shut the door, leave the potato chips behind. And walk another way. But he's not just the God of new beginnings. He's the God that will help you in the journey every step of the way. He doesn't just provide a restart. He'll walk with you. The Bible is full of people who started and failed. But they didn't fail because God walked away. They failed because they walked away from him. His grace is there to help you. Whatever it is today to help you walk more deeper, to have a more vibrant relationship with him, to have what he's created you to be. We're going to sing in just a moment. And, um, and, and we're going to pray. And I think the question is this. The theme of Amos that I think applies to who we are today is what is it that just ain't right? What is it that God wants to do new in you? A relationship, a habit, a struggle. Maybe come to him for the first time. Or maybe you've been on a road that you just know, this road isn't working. And it's time to shut the door and walk another way. When you walk another way, you walk into the God whose arms are wide open and says, come. My grace is sufficient for you. 
Or maybe it's just this struggle that you just can't get over. It's not, a, it's not a big thing, but it's just in the middle. It's just keeping you from really being who God has called you to be. Maybe today's the day for the restart of that. Or, or maybe to leave a hurt behind and to say, God, that's my past. Maybe you're in the midst of a restart right now. Maybe you've started down an, another road and you just want to say, God, help me keep going. Help me keep at it. I just want to have just felt like that for somebody today, that that's the prayer that we need to pray. And I don't know how the Spirit fills that in for you. And so we're going to sing a song. And as we sing, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar if you want. When I, and just come and say, God, that's me. It can be big, it can be small, whatever it is. I just know the signs are there. It just isn't right. And I want your help. When I thought about this message, I thought, I, I just felt like there, that there, there would be somebody that that applied to. And then I realized, as I studied, that I realized that that somebody was me. I realized that I need to be renewed in the Spirit every day. I need that restart every day. I, I need God's grace to come upon me moment by moment and day by day because I can look at my life at the end of the day and I can look in the old farmer's the old farmer's words and say hey Chad that part that ain't right but I serve a God who says my grace is sufficient for you and so as we sing I'm going to be the first one to come because whether it's a big issue or it's a small issue there are issues in my life that I want God to renew day by day. I want to leave here as I prayed in the beginning, looking more like him than when I came. And his arms are wide open. Don't keep driving the potato chip truck the wrong way. At some point, you shut the door. And you head towards home. Would you lift these words? And if you want to come and pray and say, God, that's me. Reset, restart this area of my life. I want to be yours. You can come. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. 
Father, we do come to the altar this morning. For some of us kneel and some of us bow within our hearts today and just say, God, there are some places in us that need your renewal. And we could fill in the blank. There are many answers as there are people here today of God of what we need. There are relationships that need a restart. There's some attitudes that need a restart. There's some... There's some hurts that need to be restarted, let go of, clean slate, new road. There's a deeper calling that needs to be followed. The list could go on and on, but God, this is what is true. We need you. Renew us today. Renew that thing we bring to you. That place in our life where we need to set it aside and lay it down. Renew, create in us a clean heart, oh God. Take us to a place that puts us on the road exactly where you would have us be. And help us to lay down whatever hurt or disappointment or expectation that we've been living under that is anyone, any other expectation than yours. To do justice. To walk humbly. To love mercy. God, I'm so thankful that you're a God of the do-over. You're the God of the restart. And in fact, you don't even mark it down against us. Your arms are open. And in fact, God, I, I think that probably you've just been waiting. If you're frustrated with anything, you're frustrated that we don't come to you sooner. If you're frustrated with anything, it's that we don't turn to you and say, oh God, I am yours. Here's where I've blown it. Here's where I stubbed my toe. Help me start again. Help me be the man or the woman mom or the dad the aunt or the uncle, the co-worker the neighbor that you've called me to be so when those people that are in my life, those sheep we've been talking about the last few weeks, those people in my life so that when they see me they see a portion of you working yourself out in me oh what a savior who comes to us arms wide open and we get to leave people that have been healed not by in our power but by the blood of Jesus Christ
Would you stand and lift these words? Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing alleluia, Christ is risen. Oh, come to the altar. Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. My hope is, is that the prayer we prayed at the beginning is the prayer that's been answered. That we leave here today closer to him than when we came. Reminded of a God whose arms are wide open. And those things that have that just aren't right have been given to him. And that it isn't just by the reading of the word, it is the applying of the word. That we can be a people who answer God's call. And we can be a people who go where he calls us to go. And with a God of hope and peace and grace go with you because the next part of the journey you don't walk alone in his name Lord bless you as you go know what a savior isn't he Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing alleluia, Christ is risen. No, come to the altar, the Father's arms are. Born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ.